Sherman with you on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin on a Hot Take Friday. We'll do that at 10 o'clock. If you've never participated before, I think both you guys in this studio have. I, I, Jake, you were here for one of them, weren't you? Were you here for a Hot Take Friday? I actually don't think I was. Ah, well, we're going to pop your Hot Take Friday cherry tonight then, Jake. And then we got uh, James, so I'm pretty sure, I think James has been. We'll, we'll confirm that with him, but I think James has been. Um, the way it works, it's pretty simple. If Jake's never done it, I gotta, I gotta show him where the bed is. We gotta go over all that, but, um, play the music. You call in 216-474-1092. You give us your hottest takes on anything. It could be sports, movies, TV, food, uh, whatever comes to mind. Just, we don't want conspiracy theories, particularly about politics. Stay away from that. Other than that, it's fair game. I actually have a couple tonight that I think are going to rile people up. I've, I I had a whole stream of hot takes that kind of came to me when I was on vacation. It's funny what, like, clearing your mind and getting away, not having to think about your benign daytime job that you go to does for the, for the creative muscles. Started really coming up with some outlandish takes. James is going to hate one of them. I already know. He's going to absolutely, at least one of them. James tends to hate most of my hot takes, so I'm sure he'll hate all of them, but at least one of them is going to have him wanting to walk out of this studio. I guarantee it. So we'll get to that at 10 o'clock, barring a late end to the Guardians-Phillies game. We got Chris Easterling, who will join us coming up here in about 15 or so minutes. He's actually down in West Virginia already. He texted me about moving his time because he's out to dinner, getting ready for the weekend. So... We're going to talk to him at 820. We'll ask him some of the same questions we're asking you right now, which center around the position group that maybe you're a little bit concerned about going into training camp. Maybe could use some, some, some additional bodies and the position group that you're most comfortable with going into training camp as well. 216-474-1092. I gave you the ones I'm most comfortable with. Tight end. Doesn't feel like much concern there. I, I like that group. Headlined by David Njoku. I think he's due for another big year. Bigger year than even last year. The other one was the offensive line. Because for whatever reason, Andrew Berry's neglected the defensive line for years until this year. But his uh, offensive line acquisitions have been pretty damn uh, good. We we constantly look around at that room thinking, how did they acquire this guy and this guy and this guy? And then guy gets hurt, guy new guy steps into the position, next man up, and you're like, okay, how did this guy, where did he come from? So I, I don't have any qualms about those two. Even with the questions about Jedrick Wills, others I'm more concerned with. I think if you want to throw defensive line at me, because of the Perrion Winfrey thing this week and you want as much. I always talk about it, guys. Defensive lines ain't the same as it, they're not they're not coached or handled the way that your father's team's defensive lines were. It's not just put a guy out there and he plays every snap and for the entire game. There's so much rotation that goes on on defensive lines in 2023 in the NFL that you want as much depth as possible. You want as many guys as possible at your disposal. So, yeah, having Perry on Winfrey was a nice body. It was a talent that you lose. And I understand, again, why people are upset about seeing a talent like Perry on Winfrey walk out the door willy-nilly, but it was it was time. 
It, it was time the Browns prolonged the relationship as long as they could, and they couldn't validate it anymore. But even with his absence, because I was just kind of banking on the fact that you can't trust him anyway, I feel pretty good about that group with the makeover it got. A buddy of mine called it the trifecta, the way the Browns addressed uh, their their and, and bolstered their defensive line this offseason. They signed guys in free agency. They drafted guys. I don't know why he called it the trifecta. What was the third thing? They traded for guys. Did they trade for anybody? I don't know if they traded for anybody. They did trade for somebody because they traded for Zadarius Smith. So, yeah, that's the trifecta. We figured it out. Yay, uh, logic. 216-474-92. But, yeah, I, because of, for that reason, because Andrew Barry clearly prioritized the defensive line this offseason, I, uh, I'm not as worried about that position, even with Perry on Winfrey exiting stage left. I, I'm excited about the prospect of Siaki Ika. I don't have high expectations for him. But as a rotational player, I can, I can live with him. Dalvin Tomlinson, expecting some bigger things from him as sort of a space eater in the middle of the defense, which they needed desperately last year. They add Maurice Hurst, who's a guy not putting up eye-popping numbers ever in his career, but as a veteran, as a backup veteran for you, fine. I, I, I like it. And then on the outside, you got Miles Garrett, of course, arguably the best pass. I'm not even going to say arguably anymore. He's the best pass rusher in football. Step aside, T.J. Watt. You got Alex Wright behind him, who I'm hopeful takes some more steps. Obo Kawanko is in addition. Zadarius Smith, obviously, on the other side. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talent added on the defensive line, where it's not a position I'm I'm not concerned with it as much as I am other positions. It's probably the one on the defensive side of the ball I'm the least concerned with. But yeah, you you can always use more bodies. If I'm trying to target a specific group that I am most concerned with going into training camp, and this changed for me because I was ready to sit here and tell you that it was going to be linebacker. And I and I do think linebacker still is a problem. You got a bunch of guys coming back from injuries. Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, uh, Jacob Phillips, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, does he still fit as a linebacker? People have been saying for the last couple of years that he's playing out of position. He shouldn't even be a linebacker in the NFL. So where does he fit? Like, There's a lot of questions at linebacker. It was a major issue for this team last year at that second level of the defense, not being able to stop anybody. But because of the Marquise Goodwin news that broke earlier tonight about him having blood clots in his lungs and his leg, and not really knowing what the time, I mean, it's a very ominous and unknown timeline on these types of things. Like, we don't know when he's going to be back. He might not play at all this season. And that was supposed to be a guy you added for wide receiver depth. I don't think this means now that Anthony Schwartz all of a sudden makes the team. Maybe it does because he's a speedster and that was what Marquise Goodwin was supposed to be. I still doubt it. He's also starting the the. Uh, training camp on the non-football injury list, so not to a great start for training camp in his own right. But now you're looking and you're saying, okay, I have less guys that I feel like I can trust. 
I know everybody is ranting and raving about Elijah Moore, and I, I hope to God he is the guy he was his rookie year and takes that next leap, Even not even just the guy who was his rookie year. I hope he takes that next leap he thought he was going to take after his rookie year. That's what I want. And everyone thinks it's just magically going to happen, but listen, there's a reason he was... There's a reason he was available via trade. And I know you gave up a second-round pick for him technically, but the picks were only like 30, what? There was like a 30-pick difference or something like that between that and the third-rounder that they sent back. So you got to pick and Elijah Moore for a second-round pick. Like, there's a reason this guy was available. There's a reason why the Jets kind of gave up on him and why he was sort of on the outs there to begin with. There's no guarantee that he's just going to light it up here. And I've been saying for a while, and and on some level maybe it was a little overblown by me, because a lot of these teams are one wide receiver injury away from having a questionable group. But what happens if Amari, Amari Cooper goes down? You have an unproven commodity in Elijah Moore who's had some issues of his own and still has some some ways to go to sort of prove that he's a, a player that has a, a, a long is, is long for the NFL. Donovan Peoples-Jones has made steps, taken steps every year, but he's still... Still questions about what his ceiling looks like. David Bell, plenty of questions after his first year. Cedric Tillman, a lot of high hopes for him, but he's a rookie. Without Marquise Goodwin there, I am now, and for who knows how long, with these blood clot in, it, it, with the blood clot issue, I have some serious questions about the wide receiver group where I still think, and I thought it was two a couple weeks ago and really most of the offseason, I think they still could add there. I do. That's a position I'll be keeping an eye on, like guys around the league who maybe are ripe for getting cut at cutdown day that the Browns could swoop in and grab. We'll see. But I think for me, it's wide receiver followed closely by the linebacking group. What position are you most concerned with? Is there a position group you're most comfortable with at this point after the moves made this offseason? Let's go to the phones. Lance in Painesville. You're up next in the family. What's up, Lance? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing, brother? Good, man. Good. Uh, as far as the... Uh... Comment. Um, I don't think the owners ever had to worry. You know that. Uh, but I'm um, I'm looking at. I believe that people underestimated Deshaun Watson's arm talent. He does. Well, Lance, like, Lance, real quick, real quick, because you said the Hasm the the owners don't really worry, and I agree with you. I just think the Hasms are more susceptible and prone to listen to outside noise from both their peers, the the other owners. And the fans, maybe than other owners would. I, I do think it impacts them. That was kind of my point on that. But I see, what, I, I know what you're saying. Though, like, there's not a lot of pressure because they can't be fired. I get that for sure. But and, and as far as the um, the wide receiver position, I, I don't think that's necessarily a worry because Deshaun Watson's arm talent. Yeah. Now, that's fair. one thing, one thing I am worried about, and a lot of people call me crazy. It's a running back position because if you're going to use Nick Chubb as a workhorse to take the load off, or if you're going to use him like you've been using him, he, he doesn't have Kareem Hunt there to, you know, spell him. You know, yeah. who's going to be that second? You, you, you can no longer get away with having that one power horse. Look at Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry. Look at yeah. all these other running backs. You can't get away with 
even if you have a big, strong running back like Nick Chubb, you can't run him. 30 times a game, no more. Okay. All right, Lance. Yeah, I know. I, I, I apologize, man. We got to let you go because we're up against and we have a guest coming up. But um, I appreciate the insight. I'm just not worried about the – given the conversations we've been having about the running back position of late, I can't make the, the running back position my most concerning position. I just can't. I see what you're saying, though, but I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm sure there's other people out there who are worried about, well, what's Nick Chubb's – Workload going to look like? What's it mean for his wear and tear with with Kareem Hunt gone? But I, th- that one's barely even on my radar at this point. I feel pretty good about it because I think Nick Chubb's going to hold it down. He could hold it down in his own all season if he avoids injury, and I think he could. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. We'll get more of your thoughts on position groups that you're worried about and concerned or concerned and comfortable with going into training camp. We'll ask that exact question to Chris Easterly. He joins us next from the Akron Beacon Journal here on the Fan. Reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. The real Xavier P. Always very vocal on social media with us. He jumps in. I just wonder why are people so down on Kevin talking about Stefanski. He won 11, 8, and 7 games with no quarterback, terrible front seven, and so many injuries to linebacker and offensive line. I think, I just think we are waiting on Kevin to fail and refuse to give him any credit. The roster was uneven, but Barry gets all the love. We have a Kevin Stefanski truther. Out there in real Xavier P. I just think there's been bigger problems than just the injuries. Like, I think there's in-game decisions that people sit there scratching their heads with Kevin sometimes that have left him. When you have a good team, those things matter even more. So we'll see. It's why there's a lot of pressure on him. But, I I mean, the pressure's on Barry, I think, as well. Yeah, he assembled this roster. There's there's plenty of talk of whether or not he'd be safe now. Um, But we'll see. Maybe they're a package deal. 216-474-0092. We'll get back to your calls and conversation on the Browns later. But to continue the Browns conversation, welcome in our good friend live from West Virginia at the Greenbrier. I, I hear he was coming back, making his way back from dinner. It is Chris Easterling of the Beacon Journal joining us on the show. Chris, appreciate you giving us some time, man. I hope you had some tra- safe travels down there. What's the what's the lay of the land down there at the Greenbrier? Well, I'm, I'm actually in Lewisburg right now, which is about 15 minutes from the Greenbrier. But, okay. But, you know, because, you know, they're not getting down here till tomorrow. Most of the media is staying here in, uh, in Lewisburg. So... That was going to be my um, next it, question. I was going to ask, like, is is the media, are all the media folks staying at the Greenbrier as well and sort of indulging in the resort life, or is it more so outside of the, the facility? No, 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 not quite. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but th- I will say this is my first time in lovely Lewisburg, and it is it's actually a pretty uh, quaint, cute little town. Uh, uh, we, we ate dinner at a uh, nice little uh little mom and pop restaurant in town and it's it's really a really nice place it, it, it kind of caught me off guard it caught me by surprise not off guard but caught me off by surprise how nice this nice this town is but uh obviously um uh i could go on and on as uh in my in my travel uh 
as a travel agent, but, but uh, <laughs> you can you can become a, in your next life you can become a travel agent to get people to come to Lewisburg, West Virginia. There you go. Absolutely, Lewisburg Chamber of Commerce for me. <laughs> Chris Easterling, join us on the hotline. Yeah, I, w- I was hoping, Chris, real quick here to get before we get to the question. I was uh, I was trying to get you to be able to expense. You know, a, a nice little resort trip, get a little vacation in before the summer ends. But this clearly is is all about work for you. So I, I get that for sure. I get they want you there, getting the stories, getting the headlines, diving in, asking questions. So unfortunately, you didn't get to live the resort life. But I was I was pulling for you there. Um, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> let me start you off. We we were having a conversation just about different position groups and ones that still maybe remain a concern going into training camp, and ones you're not too concerned about. So we'll start with. Maybe the positive side of this. What position group are you the least concerned with, or the most comfortable with going into training camp, and why? Um, I'd probably go. I'd probably might lean secondary. Mm, okay. I might lean secondary because I like the obviously I like the three cornerbacks, uh, Denzel, uh, Greg, and and uh, MJ. And, and considering what they did to bolster the safety group with, with Juan and, uh, and Rodney signing, uh, you know, yeah. along with, uh, you know, I've said before, and, and I could be dead wrong on this, but I just have a feeling that Grant, knowing it's a contract year and everything, he's going to have a, uh, a good season. And so I, you know, I just, I, I kind of like that back end and the potential they have in the, in the, uh, the Schwartz, uh, defensive scheme. And then, um, beyond that though, uh, you know, I was trying to think offensive line, but uh, yeah. offensive line. You know, my, my only question with offensive line is injury uh, injury concerns on the right side. You know, can Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller stay healthy? I mean, Wyatt stayed healthy other than last year, pretty pretty much consistently through his career. And then obviously the, the question that is Jed Wills at left tackle, and then obviously Ethan Postich did an exceptional job at center last year. But was that a kind of a, hey, you know, kind of out of nowhere flash in the pan? Because I was talking to a guy who's a Seahawks fan, and I mentioned postage, and I was, I was kind of talking about how well he, and he kind of looked at me like I was talking about a completely different player. So <laughs> I'm wondering, did they just kind of catch lightning in a bottle for those 14 games last year, or, was, or, or how many games it was for him, or did – or did he kind of turn the corner? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great thought. And if you've got some obviously insight from others around the league, I think it's a good point. But I think to your point, the the offensive line is less of a concern, especially when you bring up Posick, because you have somebody like uh, Nick Harris, who was supposed to be the starter last year, kind of waiting the wing. So I feel like there's a lot of depth there. I'm with you yeah. on the offensive line for sure. On the flip side of this conversation, what is the position group that you're the most concerned about going into training camp, particularly after we just got this news about Marquise Goodwin? Linebacker. Mm. It's fair. I, I mean, it's an easy answer to go to for sure. I mean, for I, I mean, it's a layup, but but at the same time, if, if you probably ask them to rank. Jim Schwartz to rank the position groups on the defense in order in order of importance. My guess is linebackers last. Yeah. You know, I just don't think in Schwartz's defense, I think linebackers and interchange they, they see linebackers in interchangeable position. That's not to say they can't they don't want to impact linebackers. I, and they wouldn't like 
they don't want Jeremiah to have a big year and, you know, what he can provide at that that off-ball spot. But at the same time, I, it's such a front seven, you know, front four, back, you know, back four, back five even, you know, I think there's a lot of times you're going to see either three safeties, three corners, so it's only two linebackers. But, you know, I, it's just a, a position with, you know, you still don't know with AWOC and Taki Taki when they're going to get back on the field. It's a good sign that they weren't placed, you know, they weren't placed on pop uh, today. You know, that that's a good sign. They didn't end up on any of the list. They're still they're they're part of the active nineties. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it's just it's just a lot of questions at that position group uh, to to kind of sort through. Talk with Chris Easterling in the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Of course, covers the Browns for the Akron Beacon Journal. You can follow him at C Easterling ABJ on Twitter. He's live joining us from down in West Virginia, outside of. Town there where the Greenbrier is getting ready for the the Browns to arrive this weekend. As we talk about sort of position groups and concerns and not concerns, how much should fans really, I guess, worry about the absence of Perrion Winfrey with his his release this week? Because I'm gonna be honest, Chris, like my mindset on him was just that we can't we don't even know if he'll make it through the season anyway with all the off the field troubles and we knew he was probably on his his last straw with the team and I didn't expect it to happen this quickly that he was gone on the sort of the eve of training camp getting going with the rookies and quarterbacks showing up but here we are and he's kind of gone so I, to me he wasn't really a factor on the depth chart anyway but I understand why people are looking and saying now like oh well that's one less body at a position group where we know they like to rotate a lot as much as you know it was such it was such a gamble that you roll the dice. You were actually going to get seventeen games out of Perrion. Right. To be quite honest, you know, the risk wasn't worth the the reward. You know, so you know, I, I was sort of surprised they didn't cut him in April when the uh, when the the original domestic assault charge came out um, in Texas. So I apologize. There's a truck. Uh, it's all good. Up the hill. Um, so the fact that he didn't make it to uh, the start of camp isn't a big surprise. And you know, I, I look a guy like Mo Hurst, and you know, hey, maybe you know a guy like Kristen Hill, you know, kind of takes advantage of this opportunity and and, and kind of catches lightning in a bottle. They catch lightning in a bottle with him. And to be honest, we've heard multiple times that you know, there's chances they could move a, a, a Zadarius or, or an Alex Wright inside a little bit and try to. Try that out. You know, it, it, there's options there at least early on for them to play with, and I'm I'm going to be curious to see how they do that. But but in terms of feeling like that's a big loss that Perion doesn't make it to the start of training camp, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I I wouldn't sweat that. I that, agree. that that's that's addition by subtraction. The other big news that really comes down this week, but really just a couple hours ago, was the Marquise Goin news where he's dealing with some blood clots both in his lungs and his, his legs. And obviously this is a no, no jokey matter with the blood clot situation. And whether or not he plays football this season or ever again is obviously secondary to just his recovery in general to live a normal life and making sure he's okay. But given that situation and given that it's kind of a – ominous unknown of when he could potentially be on the field, if at all. Do you think now the Browns do look to add at the wide receiver position yet again prior to the season getting going? I think they're going to have to look because, I mean, that's just – you're talking about blood clots. I mean, 
I, I have I have no inside information. You're not a doctor. And you don't pretend to be I'm one not. on TV. No, <laughs> no. But uh, I just I would be surprised if you see him on the field this year. Yeah, That's I just, agree. You know, an initial knee jerk, you know, guess. But I mean, considering you're talking about blood clots in the leg and, and in the lungs, that that yeah. That that's just nothing to play with, and you know, it, it, it just it seems like a very long road back to where you can get back on the field playing, you know, playing at you know at, at the high level that you know the Browns needed him to play at. So that's where you now have to go out and you know once again try to find that speed threat. You know, maybe you know it, it, that's what. It, it, I mean, does this sort of accelerate the the timetable on getting Seth Tillman up to speed? Is that I mean, what what is sort of the you know what is sort of do you look for other options? I, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're going to turn over every rock to try to find a, find an answer there. But it, but it's certainly um, the biggest thing though is you just you just just wish Marquise well, oh, sure. you know, and he you know he recovers from this. But in terms of for the team, they need to. They need to find a replacement for him. A few more minutes with Chris Easterling of the Akron Beacon Journal here on the hotline. Um, what is the the big storyline that you're looking at going into camp? Because it, it's hard. Like fans want to get excited. Football's finally here. Um, you know, you're seeing it on on social media, and they're practicing, and you, you can feel it in the air. But we all know, like, you got to take this stuff with a grain of salt, and you know, you don't really get the full picture during training camp in the preseason anyway. And we don't have a ton of position battles either. Um, so what is the big thing that you're looking for throughout this weekend at the Greenbrier when it all gets going, but also just throughout camp that you're sort of trying to, f- to pinpoint what's, what this team's going to look like come, once the, come September when the regular season gets going? Honestly, I'd like just a nice, quiet build-up to that week in Philly, and then those first those two days they're on the field practicing against the Eagles. I want to see them show that they really have taken a step where they're they're, they're they truly can play like a contending football team. Mm. I've I, I said it before, said so again. Those two days are going to determine what my outlook on how this team, how I feel about this team going into the season. You know, it's. It's either going, you know, they're either going to go out there and they're going to perform well against the Eagles in, in, in a few weeks, or they're going to do like they did last year, where that was sort of the canary in the coal mine. That no, no, this is going to be kind of a long season for them. So they, I, that's what I kind of wanted, just a, a steady, quiet build-up where you see you can actually kind of see some progress, but actually, once you get finally. Yeah. Get to that Eagles that week in Philly, and, and this team, you know, actually finally go out there and, and silence some critics, prove some doubters wrong, and, and prove that they prove that they're everything they uh, they believe they are. I like that perspective. I, I think it's a good way to kind of view the the training camp situation. And we know that a lot of times they the, the players and the coaches always say you get the most out of a lot of times those joint practices where you're going full on 11 on 11 with tackle and everything for two straight days. So, yeah, I think that is maybe a good place for us to sort of set as a barometer to kind of get a better sense of what this team's going to look like once the regular season gets rolling. Let me get you out of here with this, Chris, and I'll let you get back to your nice little night in West Virginia. Um, what, 
How much do you think this experience at the Greenbrier really plays uh, into this team and just the moral, the, the morale of it and the team building? Like, is, is it really something where we get to crunch time of a playoff game in January and, you know, things are a little tense and because they had these moments together and they trust each other, now all of a sudden we know they're going to get over that hump. Like, I, I admire Kevin Stefanski for doing it. Um, I just question, especially with the trends in the NFL where they've gotten away from going to college campuses and kind of getting away from training camp, that it actually does as much as maybe they think it does. Well, Kevin Stefanski hopes it does. Um, I... I don't know. I have my doubts, but but at the same time, I do think that you know, I, I do think it, it, it can't hurt. Let's just say, mm-hmm. it, let, leave it. Let's let's put it that way. It can't hurt these team bonding. This team bonding they're going to do down here at the Greenbrier, and and, and also this is the week in Philly. I mean, both of those, that's a lot of time they're going to be spending together as a team before they open the season against the Bengals. So I mean, that's you know. If, if it does pay off, they they got a lot of opportunities to, to to make it stick and make it work. So we'll see. But um, you know that that's that's obviously the hope. Yeah, good stuff. Chris Easterling, Akron Beacon Journal. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at c Easterling abj. He'll have. Everything you need, all the information from the Greenbrier this weekend as the team starts practicing, of course, throughout training camp. Chris, I'll let you get back to enjoying yourself, spending a nice little night in uh, Lewisburg out there in West Virginia. I appreciate you giving us some time, especially while you're on the road, my man. Thank you so much, and obviously you can plan on doing it again throughout the season. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Spencer. No problem, man. Take it easy. Good stuff. Chris Easterling on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He he said straight up, Browns are going to have to go add at the wide receiver position now that Marquise Goodwin is dealing with this blood clot situation. And he he I mean flatly said like let's call a spade a spade. He's probably not playing this year if he's dealing with that. I feel the same way. I think it's a, a more pressing issue, which is why all of a sudden it's on my radar as the position I'm most concerned about. Two one six four seven four double nine two. Do you agree with Chris Easterling? Wide receiver a big need. Already was somewhat of one, but now even more so with Marquise Goodwin going down or dealing with this illness. What position groups are you most concerned about? And which ones are you the most comfortable with? We'll get to that. Also, keep an eye on the Guardians game. Plenty more to come here on 92 Through the Fan. I would be surprised if you see him on the yeah, That's just, you know, an initial knee-jerk, you know, Yes, but I mean, considering you're talking about blood clots in the leg and in the lungs, that that yeah, that that's just nothing to play with, and you know, it, it just it seems like a very long road back to where you can get back on the field playing, you know, playing at you know at, at the high level that you know the Browns needed him to play at. So that's where you now have to go out and you know once again try to find that speed threat. You know, maybe, you know, it, it, that's what it be. I mean, does this sort of accelerate the, the timetable on getting Seth Tillman up to speed? Is that, I mean, what what is sort of the, you know, what is sort of, do you look for other options? I, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're going to turn over every rock to try to find a, find an answer there. But, it, but it's certainly, um, the biggest thing though is you just, 
you just just wish Marquise well. Oh, that, you know, and he you know he recovers from this. But in terms of for the team, they need to they need to find a replacement for him. Strong words from Chris Easterling. He's right. The most important thing for Marquise Goodwin after this news about the blood clots is, of course, that uh, you hope he's okay. That's something that can, beyond just impacting your your ability to play football, can impact his life. So, wanting to be okay, that's most important. Well beyond him getting back to the field or not, or if he plays for the Browns this year and can contribute, whatever. But I do think when you look back at the team... Without Marquise Goodwin, it does accelerate the thought that they need to now make another addition at that position. I I don't think there's there's nothing to be bashful about there. I, it's been a concern of mine all off season. I've talked about how they're one injury away from you know really just an Amari Cooper injury away from having a bunch of unknown commodities at wide receiver. The the, the most I would say proven asset behind Amari Cooper was Marquise Goodwin. And now that he's out of the picture, likely for an extended period of time, is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Still have a lot of questions about Elijah Moore. I know a lot of people are up on him. That just feels like blind positivity to me. You're buying in because you like the idea of him and because he had a great rookie year. Guys, he was available for a reason. I I, got to see it from him before I completely just assume it's going to be great. And I'm not basing it off of... You know, helmet and shoulder pads practices, not even shoulder pads, just helmet practices with Deshaun Watson in, you know, May and June. I got to see it on the field. 216-474-0092. I'm 100% with Chris that I think that wide receiver now a more pressing need with training camp set to open up really t- tomorrow as the team gets there for down, down to the Greenbrier for training camp. It's, uh, it's an interesting situation. What a week, though. Like, you lose Perry on Winfrey, which, again, I, not something I am overly concerned about. And then before you even get to training camp, you have another player who's dealing with an illness, very serious, and we're not taking it lightly here, but another player who's dealing with an illness, and... Now it makes you wonder if you got to address that position yet again as well. Season hasn't even started, and the Browns are losing guys left and right. Par for the course, it happens. It's it's not, and we haven't. Let me put it to you this way: none of the guys this week that we've seen get either. Well, there's really only two situations: there's one that was released, and one that's dealing with an illness. The guys who it seems like are lost at this point. Uh, neither of them were going to be frontline starting players that you worry about. Like if it was Miles Garrett or Deshaun or Amari or whatever, like, yeah, you'd be more concerned. But I still just think, like, you need a lot of young, unproven talent at wide receiver right now, and that makes me a little bit nervous for a team that has a new revamped offense apparently and is trying to win right now, and the pressures that we talked about at the top of the show that are coming with this season, I, I you got to find a replacement for Marquise Goodwin. It might not come until later in the, the the training camp preseason process because you might wait until roster cutdown day, which is all on one day this year. You go straight from 90 to 56, and then that maybe is the thing that then maybe somebody becomes available and you're able to jump in and grab them because it's a surprise cut from somewhere else. 
So I, there's there's a little bit of flexibility here. I'm not, you know, sky is falling, what was me, season's over. But I do think that with this news of Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver is a more pressing need all of a sudden. And why I highlight it is the position group I'm the most worried about at this point. 216-474-0092. We go, uh, I almost said off the beaten path. We have the fan focus coming up at 9. Right after that at 920, we'll connect with our good friend Samantha Bunton, who is so generous that she is joining us while on vacation to talk some training camp, some storylines, some Browns, all of it. Should be a fun one. And then we'll see where we're at with this Guardians game. 4-1 right now. Actually, it looks like Gavin Williams is being relieved at the moment. But a, uh, a solid start from him. Another one. As he has a 4-1 lead as he exits in the top of the sixth. By the way, every time... Miles Straw, we think we've seen the last straw, pun intended this time, with Miles Straw. Then he throws somebody out at the plate, and we're all applauding him again on social media. How about that? Funny how that works. And this isn't me trying to be a Miles Straw sympathizer. He's been brutal at the plate. I'm just saying, he every it, it's one of those like dumb and dumber, just when you think you can't be any dumber. You go do this and totally redeem yourself. That's basically what it feels like. And then we're reminded quickly when he comes up in the ninth inning in a tight game and he isn't pinch hit for why people think it's the experiment is over with Miles Straw and why they need to try something new. Uh, real quick before the break, Wayne and Cleveland. What's up, Wayne? Hey, hey, how you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Okay. What you got for me? Yeah, I just want to comment on that. Um, just discussing about Marquise Goodwin. The, yeah. the somewhat loss of him as far as his illness, which is um, that's not good news, man. But uh, I can tell you who it's good news for. He might be seeing a little daylight at the end of the tunnel. Oh, no. Don't say it, Wayne. Don't say it, Wayne. No. No. <laughs> it, may, yeah, it ain't good news for us, but it's good news oh. for him. <laughs> Wayne, I was having a good Friday night, and then you dropped this bomb on me, man. Come on. Come on, dude. I didn't want to, but it, it had to be done. <laughs> but I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So, hey, have a good night. Yeah, you too, Wayne. I appreciate it. That, listen, maybe he, maybe he could be right. Like, this could be the thing that maybe saves Anthony Schwartz's job. I hope to God. I'm sorry. Anthony Schwartz seems like a very good human being. I feel bad for him. He, there was a story, I think Ashley Bastock wrote it last year, about just his mental state and how he deals with the the criticisms and because he hears it. I mean, he knows people criticize him. I just think this whole entire Anthony Schwartz experiment has run its course. I was ready to move on from him last year during training, during training camp in the preseason when he was dropping passes. I, I've seen enough. I'm sorry. I, it, 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 but he, but, he, but Wayne might be right. This might be the thing that keeps him around because if you need a speedster, you know, you got him. He might not see a lot of playing time, and he might be on the fringe where as soon as you make a roster move, he's the first guy gone. But that might be the thing that saves him. Granted, he starts training camp, as I mentioned earlier, on the injured, um, non-football injury list, excuse me. And so he's got some things to worry about of his own to even get back on the field. When you start training camp, and it's still early, it's it, the, the Browns obviously starting earlier than the, all the other teams, but when you start on that list, you're already behind the eight ball because they're getting reps and, and tape of other guys who are practicing at that spot, and you're not one of them. 
So he's already starting behind the eight ball anyway. But maybe, just maybe, Marquise Goodwin dealing with these blood clots is what saves Anthony Schwartz on this roster. I hope Wayne is wrong. Oh, God. Let's leave that segment behind us. I don't even want to think about that. 216-474-0092 if you want to jump in at any point in the show. I do want to get to at some point. This next hour is pretty loaded up. But I do at some point want to get to uh, my mentality for the Guardians the rest of the season. I'll share that with you. I also have to get some clarity from you guys on the definition of friends. Because I have this debate with my wife all the time. It drives her nuts. My looser definition of friends. Her more stringent one. And I need to see if I'm right or, or wrong here in the way that I define what a friend is to me. All that and more. But first, when we get back, it's the Fan Focus on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer filling in for JP on the Fan.